Escape from Plan A. Your models are out of control. The economy is out of control. China is the one that's out of control. We're not going to let you destroy this country or our way of life. We've worked too hard and we fought too long to lose it to a Wuhan. That's what I said, a Wuhan virus that China knew about, openly lied about, said it couldn't be transmitted from human to human and intentionally protected Chinese citizens from the virus, but allowed that virus to be released, putting the rest of the world at risk. You wanna control people? You politicians wanna flex your muscles? We'll start working on how you're going to punish, ostracize, alienate, and financially sanction and make China accountable for what they did to us and the rest of the world. But keep your damn hands off us and do something about what got us into this mess in the first place. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Escape from Plan A. This is Teen, uh, still on lockdown, still in quarantine. I've got Diana with me. Diana, uh, you, you, it's been a while since you've joined us. I guess you've uh, had, you know, we all had prep prepper work to do. But uh, <laughs> welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you okay up there in Boston? Yeah, we're um, we're just playing with the dog. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She. We do this thing where we just stuff her in our shirt. We wear yeah. like an oversized shirt and just stuff her in there and pretend we're pregnant with her. <laughs> yeah, she does. She, wouldn't she squirm a lot? Because I've met your dog. Yeah, I would think she's actually just get clawed up and she's pretty chill when she's inside the shirt for whatever reason. Gotcha. All right. So you're doing prep work. You're doing proper work. You're everything. Everyone in Boston's like lockdown or what? What's going on up there? I don't think there's a well in the city of Boston, uh, the like Boston proper. There's a curfew that nobody should be out after nine p.m. But I think otherwise, it's kind of like city by city, um, like mandates. Uh, um, I see all of the all of the parks and like uh, sports courts and fields and stuff are on lockdown and like it's it's basically it's basically on lockdown but i don't think it's like officially you know like martial law kind of lockdown yet yeah um yeah new york is maybe it's a little bit more like they want to shut the subways down and stuff but i'm i'm just like looking around and oh by the way okay before we get into like today's pod uh, I noticed that our patron numbers have actually gone up during this time. So whoever's out there uh, kicking cash to us, uh, we really appreciate it because we've been upping our uh, article buying. And so if you go to our website, Planning Mag, you'll see that we've actually have uh, a, de- a good number of articles by uh, Asian American writers coming out. And I think some of them are really great. Um, all of them are really great. Uh, so thanks for that. I think the, you know, we've really been, um, 
able i think i I guess there's a lot more people out there that want to write uh and so we've got a lot more submissions and we've seen some really great articles come our way if you're interested i mean obviously uh suggest everyone join the patreon if you can uh so patreon.com slash planning mag uh otherwise if you want to or if you also want to uh submit something to us um send us an email editor.planningmag at gmail.com i've skipped doing the 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 how the the housekeeping stuff for a long time so i figured i should just do it this time around that sounds good okay do the responsible thing very official sounding like you've been practicing yeah yeah it's like there's no the feeling is gone from it now it's just i just (laughs) i just like load it up and it comes right out and then i'm like back to whatever um okay so we didn't like i don't have like you know we've been uh going hard on some topics here and there and stuff but like um diana i told you the other day i was just like you know what i just want to Something that has been bugging me is just how every conversation has to rally, like it has to rally this sort of like sense of can do and hope and, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go on the news and I see this all the time and it's like, um, yeah, the news is terrible, but and then they'll end on some, you know, oh, the cops celebrated the some seventh grader's birthday or something and uh oh a bunch of people were playing violin on the on their balcony and stuff and it was really cool stuff like that and i'm watching this and honestly that's not how i feel at all like i don't really none of this stuff really brings me hope because i just see just just a huge case for pessimism i just i don't really see that an appropriate response to all of this as any sort of hope or optimism. And I kind of want to have, I want to, I want to know what exactly, where do you go or how do you talk about stuff when your pessimism is probably justified? Because all I'm seeing is that the U S is fucking shit. And we know that because coronavirus has been a giant comparative study and we're terrible. We're worse than like every other country. And not only do, you know, do we have like the worst response in terms of like our own uh, willingness to tackle the, the health problem, but we're going around the world hijacking medical supplies bound for other countries. Like that's what we're doing. And then not only are we like hijacking those supplies from other countries, it's not like we're bringing them back and just like giving it to the people who need it. We're for giving them to private companies who sell them on auction sites at elevated prices. They're price gouging to the highest bidder. And it's not as if that's happening and then, you know, you can blow the whistle on it. The White House, that's their official policy as to how this stuff works. And they've defended it. And, you know, on top of this, we're just going around being mean as fuck and uh, horrendous to other countries uh, that we don't like. Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, and of course... China. Everyone blames China. And as you know, we know Americans are racist as fuck. And so they're down with that. But for the on the Asian American side, I feel like we have this belief that if Trump would just stop using the phrase China virus, that everything would be okay. But see, I don't really think that because in a way, uh, the right wing racism is just sort of like 
oh, you know, uh, China is evil and they want to destroy our democracy and they can't be trusted or whatever. That's what they say. Like if you open up Wall Street Journal or you open up whatever, they're just like China is an evil country full of authoritarians. But when it's the liberal media that has gone on this whole thing about, you know, there being a racial aspect to this cultural essentialism that ultimately, if you boil it down, Confucius might be to blame and that. All of a sudden, like we've got to go. It's the liberal media that's been going on about how the Chinese are anti-black and anti-Muslim. And they torture animals and they have a culture that erases individuality. And it's all stuff written by supposedly, you know, uh, educated China experts or what we call China watchers, which is the disgusting phrase. It's called bird. You know, it descends from bird watchers as if Chinese are fucking birds to watch. OK, so that's the background. That's why I think. The case for the U.S. is shit and the case for Asian Americans living in America is shit. Where do we go from here? Like, how do you have conversations that begin from this point without false appeals to hope is the topic for this podcast. What do you think? I think that's a really good way of framing it. Um, I I, I would add that, like, I don't know, like you're saying that there's a quote unquote optimistic response that everyone else is having. And the com- like, the other side of that is a pessimistic response. But personally, I don't really necessarily see it that way. Like, I feel like there the response right now is like, which is like, oh, but look at these, you know, happy people cheering or whatever. That's kind of a response that's like, it's not necessarily optimism. It's like this forced positivity that like culturally we've had for at least you know the last i don't know 20 20 years or so it's just like this idea and i think maybe it comes from just like all this like positivity like happiness studies of just like oh like think of the good or whatever maybe it's it's more like kind of like a culturally like corporately enforced like forced positivity right that you know you have to constantly be working toward this goal this progress and um, you can't say anything bad about what you're doing like you just have to like think positive you know and it'll like manifest something good and the thing that everybody seems to want to manifest now is this return to quote-unquote normalcy which was i guess you know like the like neoliberal lie of race blindness and progress that we've been fed for like the past generation and so i feel like when you're saying we need to stop doing that that's not necessarily pessimistic that's just um acknowledging reality in a way that americans aren't used to doing yeah, I mean, I was just like, as I got up this morning, I was like making breakfast and um, I was listening to, I had nothing to listen to, so I just put on NPR, uh, which used to be a habit of mine. And I had not listened to it in a while and I put it on and they have this segment about cooking and cooking at home and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll listen to this because I'm cooking breakfast. And the guy, like, you know, he's he's like talking about his, the, the it's like, I guess he's like some kind of cookbook chef or something. He's like... And of course, he works for the New York Times. He's like, you know, my dream when all this is over is to have all my friends come over and we're just going to have a big clam bake. And I just imagine 
how we're finally going to be like shoulder to shoulder again, you know, and we're going to be dipping bread in that broth and we're going to be going for the drawn butter and we're just going to eat clams and it's just going to be so wondrous. And I think we're going to finally learn to, you know, how important these kinds of things are after having gone through so much. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, what have you gone through? I don't know. It just seemed like this, that is, that was exactly kind of what you're talking about there. It was like this belief that when this is over, we're just going to have clams with our friends and everything's going to be fine again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't see that. Everybody's comparing themselves to Anne Frank now. It's like, bitch, yeah. you lived in a 450 <laughs> foot attic with seven other people for two and a half years. And then she wrote one of the most essential readings of the 20th century. You're like living in your like auto fully automated house. Like you just couldn't go to a clam bake. That's it. <laughs> and you're already so like distraught. It's just, it's not even, uh, yeah, it's horrifying. The resp- yeah. yeah. And you know, like people are assuming that this is a three month thing. And then, uh, like, at most, this is going to continue for three months, and then everything's going to go back to normal. And, like, that's not true. Because, I mean, there's not going to be a vaccine for a long time, for at least another year. Okay, so, like, if the first wave passes and everybody just swarms the beaches in all the theaters and the public spaces you're gonna have a second wave that's gonna be even worse and that's what happened in the influenza pandemic of like 1918 oh like second wave shit yeah because there was like it started um i think in 1917 and uh people were on lockdown and uh after the world war world war one ended People were like celebrating. They were like, I'm sick of this shit. We're going to celebrate. So there were like parades, marches, everybody was happy. <laughs> and then that winter, more people died of the flu than, than died in World War One total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's yeah. definitely um, like... Okay, so starting with just the virus itself, right? Like, there's there's yeah. like levels to this. There's like for me, there's at least three. There's the virus itself. There's the economic consequences of the virus, which are also horrifying, maybe more horrifying than the virus. Yeah, and then there's the then there's the racial and cultural aspect of this, which mm-hmm. is for me the worst part of it. Is oh, yeah. the the way in which I've seen the patterns, like everything, every lesson that we ever think we learned from the experience of anti-Semitism or from the experience of yellow peril and all the, you know, those kinds of xenophobic type racisms like that have gone throughout our history and we've known about them and we think we've learned like the Japanese internment, like everything we think we've learned, we haven't learned. And, but they're not really picking, like, no one's really quite picking up on that. I'm like, from a certain perspective, you realize, like, all the patterns, like, for example, the fact that, like, the Democratic Party, there was an article recently that leaked and said that the Democratic Party has 
uh, an internal memo where they said they're going to attack Trump as not being hard enough on China. So you're, the, you know, they're going to have, and of course, the coronavirus response is going to be the number one issue heading into the election. So for the next seven months, we're going to be talking nonstop about how, who, who is more of a chink hater or who is more of a chink lover. And that's going to be the, that's going to be like the, the issue going forward. And so this notion, you know, this, this way that like immediately, like our political system puts a face on the enemy, so to speak, and how that ramps up into, and how that aligns with a lot of things that we've learned about how fascism works and the need for a foreign enemy or like an invader, an, an invader in our midst. We haven't learned any of those lessons. Like it doesn't, knowing that history doesn't keep us from doing it again. Yeah. Is what I'm seeing. Yeah. It's and gonna- I find that of the three problems, the most disturbing is we do not learn our lesson here. I mean, it's going to be a complete paradigm shift of how Asians are treated, Asian Americans, just how the West, how the West, especially the U.S., views Asia. Like, it's 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 probably the the thing that is probably the most similar that I can think of right now is probably what happened, you know, pre-exclusion era, Chinese exclusion era until like the 1870s you know it was like this huge shift from when the corporations needed that yellow labor to right like immediately after it didn't it like it went so far um in the negative direction like within i think yeah, basically within like 15 years, you had, you had, you know, like pretty open immigration, relatively open to complete shutdown. You're, yeah, you're saying like things can turn on a dime when exactly. it comes to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because like I, you know, the way I feel is like when, when someone points out, Okay, so like people, some people have taken taken note that, for example, that Trump has backed off saying China virus. And if you look at some of the most like xenophobic commentary out there, like Hugh Hewitt's thing in the Washington Post saying we basically need to declare war, that embedded in a lot of that stuff is this like, we need to make sure that anti that uh, Asian Americans are not, you know, unduly hurt by this, right? And I think some Asian Americans may look at that and be like, well, see, they said it. That's good. But for me, it's just a weird, it's, that's even scarier. The fact that like even just right wingers have to be like, okay, we're going to start off this conference by just making note that nothing we say is intended to make you go out and hunt down Asian Americans. Just, just saying that. Like the fact that they feel the need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that even needs to be brought up shows you the awareness by which <laughs> this they know this is going to be a problem. Yeah, it's you a know? nod and a wink. I mean, if you go back and look at all of the court rulings that were like anti-Asian and understood to be totally racist today, 
a lot of them were like, yes, racism is bad. And we care about the freedoms of, you know, every individual. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This thing that we're doing, this isn't racism. We're going to... um, we're going to legislate on something that is not racist. And here's what that is. And then they, they put that into the writing, you know, and into all of the public facing, you know, like speeches or whatever. But meanwhile, like they know that whatever they're legislating is totally 100% racialized. So it's like they could be, you know saying okay like we're, we're not gonna say china virus but then we're gonna have all of these liberal pundits doing exactly what you're saying they're doing and just like saying look at china look how look how, how chinese people are doing this look at how asians are like this and then they're going to do they're gonna do shit to us and they're gonna say it's not racist when it is yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, the effect of it is like, okay, let's say like I threw a men's conference, right? <laughs> and then like, like I'm like, oh, anyone can come to the, my men's conference. And then like, you know, a few women show up just out of like sheer curiosity. And then I opened the proceedings by saying, look, everything that we're talking about at this men's conference, I just want to make it clear that none of it is meant to actually encourage you to rape women. So I just need to make that clear. I think at that point, you should run the fuck away. Like, if, like if someone needs to say something like that, yeah. Clearly, what they're about to say is totally going to be encouraging rape, right? Yeah. Like, it's, why it's, would you say it otherwise? <laughs> it's like, like you wouldn't go to any old con- like I, I won't. I wouldn't go. You don't go to Antiques Roadshow, and the and the person is like, just be just to be clear, Antiques Roadshow does not condone racism against black people. You're like, why would you say? Like, why would they say that? Right? Like, yeah. Uh, it's just strange. It's a strange fucking thing that I keep saying. The more I see this stuff and I see it all the time now in all, a lot of these articles that are saying that we need to up, we need a full on hybrid war with China and we need to understand that the Chinese are not our friends. They're here to dominate us. They're here to dominate the world and erase democracy from the face of the planet. That what we're about to say doesn't justify going after our Asian American friends. Okay. All right. No. So let's move on. Uh, that's creepy as fuck to me. Yeah. You know, what's creepy also is um, a lot like 90% of it is about China, you know, but then there will be articles about Korea too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel like it's the the thing is like it will start with China and then people will be like, oh, it's not racism because it's about, you know, this government or like this. It's it's about a uh, geopolitics thing. But then they'll racialize exactly what they're saying about China onto Koreans and onto Japanese people and onto like all of Asia. Like it, there's always going to be that bleed through and you're already seeing it. Yeah, though, in a way, like, uh, I find that, you know, where, and I've seen a lot of Asian, like, I've, I've realized that I really don't like Asian American journalists, like the, and it's not totally their fault, but like, if you're an Asian American journalist covering China or covering this issue, like, there are just, it's very clear, like the rules are very clear, China, bad Asians, Taiwan and Korea, South Korea, 
good Asians. North Korea, bad Asians. Vietnam, try not to talk about them. Right? Like there's clearly like, you know, there's there's a clear categorization as to how an Asian American journalist is meant to talk about it. And I've seen them, for example, say that, uh, you know, oh, you know, we really need to look at the Asian model. And we're talking here not about China because they clearly have, you know, issues with like, you know, like the dependability of their numbers. But we should look at Taiwan and Hong Kong or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there isn't something there, but there's always this need. I found this need. Like every Asian American journalist has to basically like completely parrot the line yeah. that China lied. They lied about the number. There's probably like 40 times the number of dead. And, you know, they uh, are responsible for the whole thing. And I find that to be, it's hard for me to say that there's no reason for them. There's no reason for that view. But I also suspect that a lot of it really is about maintaining the, and I think this is like 90% of it, is to maintain the un, like the credibility that even though my face is Asian, that I am not going. I'm not a Chinese agent. Well, I because mean, I've seen that's a lot why of people, they're there. They they're not hired yeah. because of their journalistic prowess. You know, they're there as like their Asian, like the the white journalist's Asian friend who says the same thing. So see, they're not being racist. This is this is just like this is true. Like you know, it's like it's like just saying like my black friend. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I agree to the extent that I think that they often always put like a lot of these articles have like three authors or whatever, and they always have like a, a, a an Asian name and usually like a very like a like a Chinese name like that doesn't have like a you know like a Christian given name or something mm-hmm. like a Chinese name, and they're always in the byline. Yeah. I'm like, why do you always have a Chinese author in the byline for these stories? You know what I mean? Like two two non Asians and then an Asian, like every time. And but the the other the, the other part of this is like to the extent that anyone online tries to say the opposite, and it's not just Asians that are saying this. See, that's the thing. It's like there are a lot of non Asians or non Chinese saying that you know a lot of the xenophobic stuff is bullshit, but if a Chinese person does it or an Asian person does it mm-hmm. immediately, you start getting ac- accused of being a CCP shill or a fake account or whatever. Yeah. Which goes, it's, that's the, ne- that's the negative proof of what you just said is like, okay, if you de- deviate from the main, the, you know, the, the sort of like safe, the, the story that you're supposed to say as an Asian American if you deviate from that, you immediately face accusations of being a spy mm-hmm. or a fake account. I find that to be a very dangerous thing. Yeah, totally. It's censorship. It's just culturally enforced, not, um, you know, like mandated by the state officially. Yeah, and I think it's going to be like that for a while. And, it's, you know, yeah, I just find it worse. Be- I feel like... There, there might be deportations. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Um, no, but just I, like, no doubt there will be. But, but just like if I feel like if you are an an Asian person, 
and because you know they're like checking people's social media accounts at the border now like they were doing that to iranians um, a couple months back i i can't imagine any way that there will not be a very near future where they're just checking all like chinese uh americans like naturalized probably you know like like citizens even or like I don't know anybody with an Asian face. They might just check their uh, Twitter accounts and start denaturalizing, or just like plain just rounding people up and deporting people. Yeah, my Twitter account would not be. I I would not want uh, uh, ICE or whatever to be reading my Twitter account. I don't think they're going to be very happy. But um, yeah, I I just I just see that the the. Um, Okay, here's the question is, why does it matter to us? Like, in a way, at this point, I think I feel like lately I've been kind of more putting my head in the sand about all this stuff because I just don't really see it changing. And I really don't. It's like, look, this is going to be the future. This is what's coming. Deal with it. Right. And part of me is like, why do I care? Why do I care if Americans want to blame China? Honestly, why does it matter? And I was thinking about it this way, like. You know how like it seems very clear that we are not happy about the fact that already it seems like 10 times more Americans have died from this than Chinese, right? Like the Chinese deaths are somewhere between 3,500 and 5,000, something like that. Mm -hmm. And American deaths right now are probably well over 35,000, approaching 50,000 if you count all the people locked in nursing homes that we haven't been able to access their bodies yet for one reason or another, right? Yeah. Um, We have... 10 times the number of deaths that they have had. And that is making people really, really mad, right? Because Mm -hmm. somehow it makes us feel better if more Chinese died. Like if we somehow suffered less from this and we know that the Chinese suffered more, then I think that would make us feel better in some respect. And I'm like, why don't we just sort of like, you know, open, like why, 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 why not just let people believe that? Like, what, it, it doesn't mean that more Chinese actually died, right? Like, if you just say, like, okay, yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, probably, like, 500,000 Chinese died, whereas 50,000 Americans died. And then we're going to feel better about that. Well, I just feel like maybe, maybe that's uh, maybe that's better. I think you know it's what I mean? a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because if... if they come if if somebody in china is like okay whatever just let them believe whatever they want you know let's just say like 50,000 people died or like a million chinese people died well then their the ju- american justification for war is going to be they lied about their numbers there was a cover up and that's why we didn't prepare as well as we could have and if they stay the line and say no it's only like 5,000 you're just doing a shit job like the U.S. is going to be so enraged that they're not the best at taking care of their citizens. Um, you know, there's going to be so butthurt that more Americans are dying that they're going to probably try to declare war on because of that anyway. So I, it doesn't it doesn't matter in the sense that, like, there's no hope one way or the other. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's going to be a future where we have to sort of accept that we're like in a what they call post-truth society. And what matters more than truth 
is supporting narratives that like keep you safe. Do you know what I mean? Like that avoid, like if the, if the, if the, if, if the, it's not even lies, it's more just bullshit. Like it doesn't matter whether, whether it's true or not is the kind of like, you know, it's one thing if we lived in a society where it was all lies, like, like if whatever the truth was, then they would always kind of cover it up. Well, some, sometimes the truths are fine. So we're, we're down with truth, but sometimes the truths are inconvenient and then we'll make some bullshit up. And I think I'm wondering if going forward, it's like, it's better to just not care whether people, and this, this might be, you know, how you say things might not go back to normal. I think this is one of the ways in which it might not go back to normal is I honestly think I probably cared too much in the past about Asian, Asian culture or Asian people being represented properly and accurately, which I think as the more I think about it, the more I realize there's no, that's a bullshit notion to begin with, but that in the future, it's like, I think that Asian American, like a lot of the stuff that Asian people have been worried about, like, oh, am I, uh, am I, is Asian culture honestly represented in, in media? Do, do they have enough like authentic, you know, uh, is there enough authenticity in this depiction of it or do white people eat Chinese food in an authentic way or whatever? (laughs) Like none of, I think none of that, I think a lot of that stuff just goes away. Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is a really good point. Yeah. I think what matters more is, is it safe? Like, do we have an environment where we can like just carry on with our lives without Mm -hmm. undue harassment? You think whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I think the assumption a lot of people had before was, um, People in the U.S. are racist out of ignorance or something. That if we had better representation, more accurate representation, that they would learn and understand and empathize. And I think what the coronavirus has uh, really shown is it's not a lack of information. It's uh, they don't want that information. They don't want to know us they don't care it's you know the the response like when you say that it doesn't matter what the truth is because they're not thinking it's you know the xenophobia coming out it's not a a thought process that leads right right it's a completely emotional response I, I, I think so too. I mean, I, I remember because like I, the, the, the quarantine thing threw a wrench in some of my plans that really, you know, uh, cause I was like transitioning to uh, a new job. Everything was like, I had everything kind of set up and, it, and then I had just sort of like this another layer of complexity thrown into this. Right. And I remember for a very brief period of time, I was just like, why the fuck did this have to happen at this moment? You know, like the worst possible moment. Like if it had just fucking waited for like another two weeks, like I wouldn't have to deal with all this shit. Yeah. And I remember feeling like, you know what? I, I, I can understand, honestly, at that moment, I was like, I can understand why people just need someone to blame. Yeah. Like if I like, wasn't Chinese, I'd probably be like, Oh man, fucking China. Like that's yeah, a totally yeah. reasonable thing. And that's yes. the thing. Like Asians were not useful to the US as human beings. 
were useful them to them as uh, something far away that they can toss shit at whenever they need to, whenever they want. And that's the way it's going to be. Frankly, I feel like it's a liberating thing to know that now. Because, I, like, I don't give a fuck what they think anymore, you know? Like, I only care, you know what? Like, I feel like a lot of the racial baggage that I've had my whole life is just, like, this too, too strong of a focus on what other people think, what their needs are, and how they view me. And, you know, it's, like, just the whole constant, mm. uh, the double consciousness is, like, constantly having somebody else's perception imposed onto your brain at all times. And right. I feel like now that we see how these fuckers really are, I don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't understand? Well, fuck you, you dumbass. I mean, I was kind of like that already, but like, even more so, I'm just, like, focusing more on my safety and my needs and the safety and needs of the people closest to me that I care the most about. And frankly... That's a luxury that I've never had before. And in a way, I'm kind of thankful for that. I I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, one, I do think it's it is uh if you say you didn't give a shit, I mean, in a way, it's easy it's easier to not give a shit now, right? Like you you might have not given a shit, but yeah, now it's exactly. like there's really no doubt. Like I feel like it probably erased any doubt that you might have had, lingering doubt. Right. Or um you know, a lot of people had this feeling like, oh, I could choose to not give a shit or I could give a shit and try to work my way up through their system and, um, you know, have more financial success or have more status. But that option is kind of taken away now. I, or, mm. I mean, some people might believe in it, but I just, I don't think there is a future for that direction of activity anymore if you're Asian American. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that I don't know if that necessarily changes anything about how I make a living or how I even necessarily socialize, but it is a change in terms of my fundamental attitude about things. I don't know, like in a way, I don't know how that is going to translate into behavioral changes. You know what I mean? But I'm pretty sure that when you have fundamental changes in how you view things, it, that's sort of to me the dog and the tail that it, it gets wagged is what you do like how your behavior changes because of it i don't know if i necessarily have like okay this is how i'm going to behave differently uh you know i i am going to like avoid you know uh all other non-asian people you know like i don't know about that but i do know for example for i i mean for me i think the change has been that i always thought that or what not not for me but like i feel like this will be the change for sort of asian americans generally like we're going to go move towards in this direction is i think for a long time we felt no matter what like ultimately it was going to be ideally and therefore that's what we had to work towards was a sort of like mutualized assimilation in the sense of like i will move closer into sort of the mainstream of american culture so long as 
mainstream American culture will recognize my presence to a degree, like let me influence it a little bit. And we will negotiate our, our way into this thing where like we will be like, uh, how do I put it? We will become part of it and also like as an equity, like how do I put like we'll have more of our own movies. We're going to be more celebrated. We're going to sh- we're going to be part of the American success story. It's a little bit different than just straight up assimilation where the idea, I think the assumption was that we would just become white or something, mm-hmm. but that that there would be a mutualized kind of assimilation where like people like our white friends would start to learn how to use chopsticks and eat Chinese food. <laughs> you know, That's and- so stupid, though, because a lot of them already do. Like most people eat more Chinese food than they eat like pizza. Yeah. And well, I think as that was happening, that gave us a lot of people a lot of hope that that's kind of where we're headed, you know, and I feel now that the the way I well, how I how I think of it is whether or not that happens, that may happen, that may not happen. I hope it does happen to some extent, meaning Asian Americans, Asian culture does have more influence on American culture and Asian people are, quote, normalized or whatever. But that still fundamentally that we do understand that there is a hard division between people in America. Like there is no American promised land because everyone I know kind of doesn't believe that that even happens for like Black people don't feel like that's necessarily ever going to fucking happen or that it even should happen. I don't think white people think that way. I don't think white people are like, you know, one day we're just really going to accept all these people. <laughs> we're like, they don't I don't think so. It. I think, no, I think it's a pretty balkanized society along racial lines, along class lines. And I don't know if the goal necessarily is to bridge those gaps in a way. I think I'm starting to understand that like you live with those constraints. You live within those divisions. Yeah. And well, the thing is the America and whiteness is such a commoditized culture that it's just it permeates everything. Like even if even if Asian cultural products, Asian American cultural products are accepted into mainstream America, the people aren't they're just never going to. And that's why you see like, you know, hip hop and like black cultural products being totally accepted, being basically, you know, the 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 main products of American culture, but black people, the people who create them are still, you know, treated so horrendously. And it's it's fundamental to the system. You know what's going to happen is they're, it, like they're gonna be like oh general so's chicken is american but uh we're gonna change the name to general lee's chicken you know like they do with <laughs> french fries and freedom fries right and we like they're just gonna rename it they're just gonna extract it from us it's mm-hmm. it's it's bullshit to to even want that yeah yeah, I think, and you know what? I think it's good because you know I don't think that, and and this is this is how I viewed. Uh, you know, I hate it when I come back to silver linings, because <laughs> the whole point of this was to avoid the idea that there's anything hopeful here. <laughs> uh-huh. 
But I will say that, you know, when I first, when I started following Asian American, like discussions and stuff online a few years ago, that a lot of it centered around media representation and particularly how Asian men were uh, depicted in Hollywood. And I understood the points. I understood the emasculation thing and I didn't, it's not like I didn't believe it. I know that's real. I know that's a thing, but I also knew that a lot of other people in America were starting to be like, and for a long time now, it's not like it's a new phenomenon. We're like, Hollywood is bullshit. It's bullshit all the way through. Like it's a corrupted fucking thing. And this is around the time of me too, that this was going on. And I'm like, we know that it's corrupt. We know that it sucks. And I feel like a lot of people were running out of a burning building, but meanwhile, Asian people were just like desperately trying to pack the house. Yeah. Like running into the burning building. And I think that, and I, and people were really resistant to this idea that media representation just shouldn't matter that much. And more important than saying like, Oh, we need to have the Asian Brad Pitt. So that, you know, so that our, so that young Asian American men can have like confidence in themselves is like, starting to pick apart the notion that you need media rep at all or that it's even a good thing mm-hmm. and it's it's that was just a really really hard thing to convince people of because it was so like you said it's so the commodification of imagery and race is so fundamental to cultural life in America that when you say that it's bad when you critique it they may agree with you, but they don't see any alternative. They're like, okay, yeah, sure, I get your points, but what's the fucking alternative? And I don't know necessarily how this coronavirus thing gets people to see these ideas, but I do think that there's just a fundamental juxtaposition of like, we're hot on the heels of like, probably like the greatest surge in Asian American media representation I've ever seen. And a lot of it is considered like, quote, positive. It's like, you know, um, you know, they're like movies that are coming out that are not white savior stories, you know, and I just watched that movie Tiger Tail on Netflix, Alan Yang's film, which is basically about my peoples, you know, like the Chinese from Taiwan and how they came here and stuff. And it was pretty good. And uh, this is probably the best time in a long time when it comes to Asian American media rep. And yet at the same time, it's also the worst time ever in mm-hmm. terms of how much the political winds have turned against us, how much racism is is being actively fanned. And I'm like, which of those two things is more real? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the people getting stabbed in the fucking face or having acid thrown on their head or, uh, you know, just getting murdered by your neighbor or getting spit on in the subway or whatever. Uh, or... Also, the fact that we're pushing for straight up war against China, I think those things are a lot more real than Crazy Rich Asians. And I feel that the more we dig into this notion that it's like, oh, yes, but on the other hand, we have these Asian American movies coming out or whatever. I think hopefully people will see like, look, that just really doesn't matter as much as we thought it did. Yeah, there's going to be I I think there's the trend is going to continue that there's going to be more Asian representation, but it's all going to be like movies about how horrible Chinese people are. Right. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. how like, bef- 
before it's like like in the 80s there were a lot of like you know like cold war movies about where they depict russians you know as these like evil horrible people and i think they're just gonna there's there's gonna be a class of people that get to stay and play those roles and pretty much everyone else is going to be deported at best and i don't see this changing for another 20 years at least I don't know. I think this is a long... I mean, if you really dig into the things that, you know, state planners and people have been saying about China for a long time, and it's not recent. I mean, it goes way back, right to World War II, um, but it's gotten really bad as of late, you know, because all of the American strategies around, um, uh, you know, around embracing China and liberalizing them have all turned to shit in terms of like whether that actually worked out or not, that it's an open plan of belligerence with China. It's a long-term plan and it's not going away. It's not going away after coronavirus kind of clears up and suddenly we're going to be best friends again. Like it's going to be a really, um, no, it's, it's really going to start. Like it hasn't even started yet. Like after the quarantine, it's going to ramp up like crazy. Yeah. And I think that it's just going to make life really difficult because I've already seen it. I'm already seeing like that. I've seen white people come out and, and be more critical of the Sinophobia. And I've seen them do it in, and I'm saying there's a lot, but they're, they are out there. And they will have the platform to say it because they're white, that they can even say things like that. But for an Asian American, it's unthinkable. Like, because the second you say something like that, you immediately are going to be seen as a puppet for the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean? It's really uh, going to be. So I think it's going to be a bad time for Asian Americans, like to the extent that they care about things like truth or if they care about things like that. If you just don't give a shit and you are willing to just be like, look, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They're evil. What the fuck do I care? I think it'll be a good time for Asian Americans to remain ignorant and um, for Asian Americans to be um, indifferent, like it's going to be a good time to not care about politics. It's going to be a good time to be cool with whatever, so long as you don't fuck with me. And I don't denigrate that position anymore. I used to think of that as a really weak, pathetic position. But now I'm like, you know what? What do I really care? Honestly, at the end of the day, who am I fighting for? Like, if other Asian Americans feel the same way, why do I feel the need to correct them on that? You know? I, it's kind of uh, it's kind of how I feel, and maybe that's my fundamental pessimism or uh, about the whole situation is I just don't know whether it's worth fighting against because at the end of the day it's not up to us anyway what happens. So why not just live your life in a way that just makes everything as easy as possible? Well, I don't think that's how you're built, you know, like. I think you wouldn't be doing this podcast or like tweeting if that's how that's the kind of person you are. 
And yeah, but I, 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 I'm starting some... to see. Wonder if I can I can mold myself towards that. You know? uh, I don't know. I mean, you're pretty much set. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you can't change your ways. Yeah, I think there still needs to be fighters, right? Because it's it, it'll swing back the other way eventually. And, like, there needs to be, like, fucking no-no boys for our generation. And Korematsus. You know, they all lost, though. I mean, the, the, yeah. the thing is, in the history, if you look back in history, Korematsu, they lost that case. Yeah. And the the no-no boys, they all got killed in fucking Europe, right? Or whatever. Like, they, <laughs> like it's not... <laughs> History, like, you know, and, and we still haven't learned the lesson. And then Andrew Yang was like, hey, they like bravely, uh, so many Japanese bravely volunteered for them. Like, okay, like maybe, you know, someone somewhere can be like, oh, look at all those people in history that like, you know, stood up for what they believed. But did it do anything? Nope. Didn't do anything. Didn't change anything. You see what I'm saying? I don't know if Korematsu's... Korematsu to me has been used more to by, by celebrating Korematsu. I think the effect has actually been negative. It, I think the effect has been to assure people or to mislead people into thinking that Korematsu actually won something. I think if you ask most people about Korematsu, they'll say if they even know what that name is, they'll say, "Oh, Korematsu was the was the guy who successfully challenged the internment." When the answer is no, Korematsu is the guy who lost the challenge, and the Supreme Court, like you know, came down and said, "No, the internment was perfectly fine within constitutional bounds." Right. So, in a way, Korematsu and celebrating Korematsu's bravery and speaking up has actually been counterproductive in a way that's my super pessimistic you mean in the sense that like people think oh we've progressed beyond that like we've moved past it and now yeah you know yeah i forgot who said this but it might have been um it might have been james baldwin um who said that you know martin luther king lost his power the second they like you know made a holiday out of him because it revised history to think that people that we had that he had somehow won and that his ideas carried the day and are now part of our social fabric. Korumatsu, I think, was similar in the sense that, I mean, far less well known, but similar, I think, is every time he's honored and every time we celebrate him, we forget, well, because we don't usually celebrate losses, defeats. So we mm-hmm. assume that that must have been a victory, but actually it was a complete defeat, right? So I feel in a way that even celebrating these people is counterproductive when the history doesn't really give you a reason to celebrate. No, I'm not saying we just celebrate them or like you should do activism to be celebrated. I'm just saying I feel that it is in your nature to just keep doing this stuff that you're doing now. And I think that some people are just built that way. Like, it's not like they made a choice to be that guy, you know? Korematsu didn't say, I want to be Korematsu. Like, James Baldwin didn't say, I'm going to be James Baldwin. And fucking, like, he didn't end up doing anything either. Like, none of these people did. But they still did what they did you know like 
they were just true to who they were as people. And I think for everyone, they should just do that. You know, like the people who are just fine with putting their head down and saying whatever, you know, keep doing that. You will survive probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just to be, be clear, I mean, I think that there are people out there that are going to be doing that. I think we Asian Americans do have a lot of really incredible leaders. Um, and my the question I have for myself is like, I just consider myself some random guy on the Internet is do I think that that is important? Like that's super important and, you know, whatever. Or do I just kind of understand that being an American, like more so than being like an Asian person in America is like fundamentally speaking, being an American entails a certain sort of like it, there's just a there's just a certain amount of fuck it, get mine that is part of being an American. And that's why people came here anyway. And like, do you just because I feel like it's a society where people who just don't give a shit have a easier time about it. Is this about like, your new job? No, <laughs> in a way, yes, because I got, I got, I got to start working again. But, um, uh, I guess what I mean is like, I just, I mean, I don't know if you see the same thing, but I just think that being an American, it's just so much easier to be an American happily by not giving a shit. Yeah, I. Agree, you know what I mean? But I just don't think that's the kind of person you are. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in the same so boat, so. It's so much easier to not give a fuck. Honestly, it's just like, I don't know. Fucking, yeah, China did it. China lied. People died. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Fuck it. I don't know. You know, like. Yeah, I just cares? can't. I just who the fuck cares? Like, what are you going to do? About, like, what? It, someone says that. Some random on the internet says that. What the fuck do I care at the end of the day? You can believe whatever you want. It's not going to make a bit of difference one way or another. You know what I mean? It makes me want to punch him in the face. I just can't not feel that way. <laughs> Even if I can't punch him in the face yeah. now, I will hold yeah. that resentment deep in mm. the core of my being until mm. I can unleash it. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, tricky stuff, I would say for me. It's not... It's just not... Um, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 not clear that we're heading into there's no like clear lessons to be drawn here. Um I remember like uh Mark and I had dinner like a few years back with one of my friends that I had not seen in a long time and I spent the whole dinner this is like years ago like at just after Trump had been elected and he has like a young daughter and everything. I was like convincing him that like America's about to turn super fucking racist against Chinese people. And that it's going to work like the new Jews. And I was like saying like crazy rich Asians. Do you understand how bad it is to have a movie out there called crazy rich Asians at this time? You know, do you know how many white people are dying from like fucking poverty? You know, and and uh, they're going to blame everything on us and all this shit. And I scared the shit out of him. And uh, he was like, yeah, he was like, teen, this is really concerning. And I'm like, yeah, it should be. And then I felt bad about it afterwards because I'm like, why am I so dramatic? Why am I so dramatic about this stuff? And then now I think back and I'm like, oh, it's basically right. Fuck. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I base like now I don't have to feel bad about having been over dramatic, but on the other hand, 
I am not happy about being right. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, you did that guy a favor. Uh, uh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But like, all I know is that uh, the one pro the thing now is that I can trust my instincts a little bit more about like, you know, like if you were right about something, mm -hmm. it's not so much that you want to tell other people you're right or whatever. But sometimes you just you're like, wait, I might have to trust myself here. Yeah, it gives you're like, wait, maybe all my like somewhat apocalyptic fantasies about what's going to happen isn't necessarily wrong. <laughs> like, you know, like, wait, shit, am I onto something here? Because I don't think that it's I still think that there are things that we will see in the next year or so, especially in, in the run up to November, that is going to shock us as Asian American people. And we the sooner we get ready for it and expect it, the better, because it's going to scare us mm -hmm. is my take on shit. So, yeah, I I thought of something, you know, when you said, like, why? Why should we even care? Um, well, so in the in the whole media rep era of like Asian American discourse, you know, there's this t all this talk about building community and being a part of the Asian American community and having that um, that kind of like feeling of home or belonging to go to. Maybe maybe that's like more dramatic than you know like people were actually saying, but you know there's that sense of like collectiveness that people felt was missing and wanted more of. And now if you're saying when times are really hard to just be like, okay, I'm only gonna care about you know like putting my head down. Well, okay, maybe that works for you, teen, and people like you. But there's a whole community, a, hu a huge swath of Asian Americans that are the not you, but they're the ones getting acid doused on them and punched in the face and stabbed and their kids stabbed right in front of them. And if you're if you were the kind of person who were all for community when it meant seeing you on a movie screen so maybe this blonde bitch will finally fuck you but now you're like well i'm i'm not gonna do anything for the vulnerable members of quote-unquote my community then that's that's bullshit and mm, i think mm, those people yeah. need to really think about you know who they are and what they care about because, like, if you're one of those people, like, don't even fucking call yourself Asian then. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. There was so much bullshit around what, why people, what it, what it was about race that they cared about. Because, yeah, you're right. I think that there was, there was a, there are people who viewed race as a impediment to their personal success. And then there were people who viewed their race as being a indicator, a part of their ethnic and cultural identity, which is really their personal history. Uh, that was more of a, it was more, like you said, a sense of belonging to a particular uh, part of history uh, that 
to me is important versus like you said yellow dudes ain't got a you know they don't have a shot with the blonde chicks you know like the this race as impediment thing to my personal you know i think there was a lot of that going on and i do think people like that are the ones going to be putting their heads down at this time so you're right that is a good indicator i think of what people's real attitudes about um race is in america and you know this notion of being asian as mere impediment um, which has always bothered me. And I always found that the whole discussion around media rep and around emasculation and all this stuff was more of like a Asian as disease or Asian as condition. And I fucking hated that. I was like, that is such a weak ass bitch ass position to take. <laughs> like you're so like out the gate. It's pathetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out the gate. You've already proven how pathetic you're, how weak, how weak it is. Maybe that's ultimately what I hated about it. It was just it started with this weak, bitchy attitude of like, why does, you know, why can't I have it? Why can't I have it? And who's going to give it to me? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like, shut the fuck up. Jesus Christ. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I feel better. I feel better. Cool. I'm still mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still fucking mad. Yeah. Team, right. You know why you were right about all this stuff? Like you're like, I don't know. Were you the person who said that there's like two kinds of people in the world? There's people who care about business and people who care about the truth. And that's just fundamentally how they are. Kind of makes sense. sense. Yeah. You're just a truth seeker by nature. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's your... That, that's who you're meant to be. So it's so it's let me tell you, it is so unfortunate. Yeah, it, it, is. It's, it, it is. is so unfortunate. Like that is not a compliment that to me is just like a that is a condition, you know, where especially when you're living in America, yeah. I think it is it is better to be someone who cares about business and and how to bullshit your way into money. Than <laughs> it is to like care about anything re- remotely related to truth. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe, maybe you're born at the wrong time in the wrong place. Yes. Oh, totally. But it's not no, like absolutely. there's something wrong with you, and I don't think you should change. And I don't plan on changing anytime soon either. Yeah, well, I, you're right. I, I'm not sure it's possible. Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> I'm not sure it's possible. I don't think it is. Oh, shit. All right. Well, all right. Um. All right, we're at an hour Plus, do you have any like final thoughts of of pessimism, uh, or uh, you know, you know, existential dread? Things you want to share with people? Um, I will say this: like when I was in middle school, this was when I like my parents moved to this like super white suburb, and I was like really, really anxious and depressed all through middle school. But the summer after I graduated from the eighth grade. I read The Stranger by Albert Camus and it made me a lot happier. You know? I don't know. I don't even remember the like the story or anything, but I just remember, you know, something that he wrote was just like, none of this really matters. Like like all of this stuff that you are anxious. It just made me feel like a lot better. Like I didn't have to care about Mm -hmm. any of this shit like a like a weight was lifted off your shoulder kind of thing yeah because i think when when you have hope 
that's assuming a lot. That's assuming that there's like a ladder for you to climb, you know, and at the top of the ladder will be anything that um, you will actually want. And knowing that that doesn't exist, well, that just means you have a lot less work to do that you didn't even really want to do in the first place. And it allows you to kind of center yourself and what is important to you and the people that are important to you. And I think that in general, like even even without this coronavirus bullshit, I think what was missing in like American life is just like centering people. Like that never really existed or it was frowned upon you know and now like we have kind of an opportunity to refocus on that and I think that's something that will in the end make people happier yeah I think there's another there's another book I think reading is is very helpful there is a book that a couple people have recommended to me so I decided to pick it up uh, called Empire of Illusion by Chris Hedges. I don't know if you've ever seen or read this book. I heard about um, I'm it. I'm reading it now. Yeah, it's really, it's really quite. It's a very, and maybe this is why I'm in this kind of mood. Maybe because I'm reading this book. But it is, it is at once a super dark and pessimistic and uh, assessment of American culture and how it is the product of an imperial mindset uh, or an imperial system uh, and uh, it's incredibly dark and it takes a look at I guess just the various aspects of our culture from um, uh, from professional wrestling to porn to movies to video games and shows how there is this very very nihilistic aspect to it this you know this belief that all things are corrupt, that all relations are about domination. And you know what? It makes me feel better in a way yeah. <laughs> reading it because I'm like, that's right. There is a lot of the anxiety that I have had is because I'm, I feel obligated to see the good side to something when it's not there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like once that... Uh, once that obligate or that pressure is relieved, where I no longer have to pretend that this is fine, I no longer have to pretend like, yeah, okay, well, you know, there's, it's it, that it just is what it is, and I can just have accept that that that's just shit. Like it's just that just shit. I yeah, mean, like, that's a good point. I mean, it like, feels a lot better. You were talking yeah. about how the U.S. is now like pirating medical supplies, and like it sounds insane, but that's how the the British Empire started, you know, like freaking British pirates during the Elizabeth the Elizabethan era were just like going around every single ocean and just like pillaging off of like the Spanish and the Portuguese and uh, a lot of other um, countries, and that's how um, the British Navy one like that war that big war against the spanish armada that basically created the um them as the superpower because before mm -hmm. there was like you know a lot of dueling powers and stuff it was because they 
had done all that pirating from Spanish ships. And so they knew a lot of their like military secrets and they could like outmaneuver those ships. So it like we're we're not entering some new evil here. We're just kind of going back to the beginning, the original evils of imperialism. That that that's why I find Trump in a way to actually he actually makes me feel better in some sense because it's like you you just don't have to pretend with him anymore. Yeah, he's calling it. Well, out. He just said it. He just said it. Like I don't. It's, I'm not crazy, right? He just fucking said it. <laughs> like with with Obama and stuff, you know, you really had to believe, right? You mm-hmm. were like, there were just some things about Obama where you were like, he is the first black president. You know, yeah. like you got to admit, <laughs> the first black president. You're like, you know, we're drone striking, uh, you know, weddings in Afghanistan. And we're, we're got, you know, we're, um, we're, we're absolutely like destroying, uh, the environment and with this fracking shit and, um, we're deporting people like mad. Yeah. You and know you're like, Obama but Michelle, I mean, Michelle. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I just, it, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't. It, you just don't have to. There's, I'm just like fuck it. It's all shit. It's all shit. And look at it. It's ruled by shit. He is shit. You can't even argue against that anymore. Yeah. And if it is a. It is a relief. It's a relief. Yeah. It's like um the Obama administration was like eight years of microaggression. It was one big microaggression. <laughs> eight years yeah, of gaslighting, yeah. and now we have a guy that just punching you for no reason, and you're like ah. This is abuse that I can understand. Oh, yeah, have you seen The Invisible Man? No. Uh, it's a, okay, so there it's a movie called The Invisible Man and it there is this there's it's a it's a woman who thinks that she's being attacked by an invisible man. How the fuck are you going to convince people that you're not completely insane? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's And then and it, it just it just drives you nuts because you don't as the viewer, you don't know whether you trust like cuz you start thinking like, wait, is this movie one of these things where we realize she actually is crazy? You know what I mean? Like Yeah. You, you know, and you're not sure what's going on. So you have this like anxiety cuz you're like, wait, I want to believe her. I do. I'm on her side cuz she's the main character, but on the other hand, I'm getting the feeling like we're being set up to realize that she actually is crazy. And this is one of those movies that is showing you what the experience of being crazy is like. Yeah. Right. But then the invisible man suit like malfunctions and you see him <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Yeah. You're Not like, oh, okay, now I can fucking relax. It's just a dude in a fucking suit is yeah. all it is. <laughs> and, you know, and that's Trump. Trump is mm-hmm. like when she dumps paint on the invisible man, you see him and you're like. Fucking there he is. There he is. I told you. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I recommend the movie for anyone who is, even though I just spoiled it, I do recommend the movie. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, all right. Well, that is our episode for this week. Um, again, thank you for the support on Patreon. Please check out the results over at planningmag.com where I think we've got a lot of new articles up that I'm really proud of. I'm glad that people have been submitting. And, um, you know, if you want to write, send us something. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.